It's Essential Pittsburgh. I'm Paul Guggenheimer. The latest issue of Pittsburgh Magazine looks at the best restaurants in town, but what does making this list mean for the diners and restaurants, and what does it say about the city? We'll pose those questions to food writer Hal B. Klein, but first we asked Thrillist national writer-at-large Kevin Alexander to stop by our studios and read from his recent article, Why the Hot New Food Town Must Die which is a response to Pittsburgh's high 2015 Zagat ranking and a critique on trendy food movements. It's Thursday night in America's hot new food town, and everyone wants to be in the mix. Friends text friends and hop in Ubers to meet on the cool street in the cool neighborhood. The one with the oyster bar with the craft cocktail program, and that omakase place with the craft cocktail program. And that indie movie theater that doesn't have a craft cocktail program, but is in an old warehouse. Over sherry and or mezcal cocktails, these friends talk the small talk of a hot new food town. About how much the hot new food town has already changed just in the past few years. About the traffic, it's worse. About the neighborhood on the east side that used to be bad. It's good now about how two years ago, one of them got robbed right over there in broad daylight in front of that old dive. But look, now it's a boutique stroller cleaning service with the craft cocktail program. About the skyrocketing rents and what all this must be doing to the older residents of the neighborhood. Just kidding, that last part never came up. Like most things great and mildly annoying, the hot new food town juggernaut can be traced back to Portland, Oregon. On September 26, 2007, Eric Asimov of the New York Times wrote a story titled, In Portland, A Golden Age of Dining and Drinking. The story checks all the boxes that would soon become a template of sorts. Local chefs in funky neighborhoods, a cadre of farmers supplying them with locally grown bounty, affordable real estate for chefs who have a vision and want to take risks without lining up corporate backers, and profiles of two of these chefs, one moving from New York, Vitaly Paley, and the other from Northern California. Gabriel Rucker. As we know, Portland quickly morphed into shorthand for anything and everything hipster and hirsute, and it proudly wore the best new food town sash until Charleston snatched it away in 2011. The year after that was Austin's turn to shine. And now, this year, it is Pittsburgh's time to bathe in the soapy, praise-filled waters of the national food media. Zagat named the Steel City the top food town of 2015. The Times' Jeff Gordonier followed the hot new food town template flawlessly, managing to work in millennials, chefs insisting on feeding people rabbit and acting as pioneers in dingy areas, and deploying phrases like early adopters and purple-haired free spirit. And around and around we go. The fact that you can basically write each of these food city stories before you even get to said city got me wondering. Is all this less about a city doing what it does best and more about its willingness to faithfully uphold the tenets of the hot new food town playbook and join the good food revival movement? Also, what the hell is the good food revival movement? And that, again, was Kevin Alexander, who was reading from his recent article, Why the Hot New Food Town Must Die, and Hal B. Klein now joins us. What is, first of all, before we get into uh, how... You rated the restaurants for Pittsburgh Magazine in its uh, current edition, which uh, looks at the best restaurants in Pittsburgh. W- what is your reaction to what uh, 
to the cynicism of Kevin Alexander. I mean, I thought it was it was a good piece, and I thought the idea of kind of taking a step back and someone from an outside perspective looking at what is hot and what is trendy is, is really smart. I would say that chefs working with farmers um, for quality of food and local produce isn't hipster, it's sensible. Um, that's something that I think is really important, and I think it's a great development that's happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the idea of, you know, you know, what is hot, what is trendy, I think is something that you can think about and, and take and kind of look at and say, you know, step back and go, you know, are we are we kind of running a little too fast? Are we running a little ahead of ourselves? Do we need to think about where we are in Pittsburgh in the standing of, you know, the, the greater country and, and the world of food? All right. So on to what you did for Pittsburgh Magazine. Explain how you broke this down. I mean, this is a, a pretty big food town or a town that sees itself as a a trendy food town. And so there's a lot to choose from. There is a lot of ground to cover. Explain how you broke it all down. Right. So we have an independent restaurant review committee, which is about 25 people. And it's been going on for a number of years. So it's my name on the story. I wrote all the copy. But there are a lot of us that are around town eating. And we start meeting every year in September. And we meet through February once a month. And we have very fierce debates about what we think is a great restaurant, what we think belongs on the list. And then in February, it comes down to a vote. And when that vote happens, there's a pretty clear this year. Um, it's 33 restaurants on the list, which is the same as last year. And that wasn't intentional. It's just that where the vote ended, there was a very clear break between 33 and 34. And so we came up with our list. And uh, how did you decide how to rate each restaurant? So the restaurants aren't ranked. Um, so what we talked about a lot this year, which was I know that there's not a ranking, right. but obviously you had to go out and and with a list of particular things that you were looking for. So how did you decide what you were looking for? What what were the things, the elements that would put certain restaurants over the top for you? So for me personally, at least, I'm looking at is the restaurant serving the mission that it says it is? Because right now the definition of what is a restaurant has changed and broadened so much that if you look at a place like La Trek that's on our list, which their mission is fine dining, right? Uh-huh. So are you going there? Is service impeccable? Is sourcing impeccable? Is the timing impeccable? Is everything living up to a fine dining standard? Whereas if you look at a place like The Vandal, which is very casual, very cool, it doesn't need to have that same element of table service because that's not what they do there. So is it, you know, do you feel comfortable? Can you get in and out quickly? Is the food still coming from a good place? And But bottom line for everything is, you know, am I leaving thinking, man, that was a delicious meal. I'm really happy with that. So it's about having a good restaurant experience. Right, a great restaurant experience. Um, of course, for me, you know, the, the first thing is, Everything can be great, but if the food isn't good, then for me, that does, nothing else matters. Um, but the experience uh, pays into it, of course. Right. I was going to say, it, it, the food is obviously the most important thing, but there has to be more about it than just that, right? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it depends on where you're going, and it depends on what's happening, and it depends on, um, you know, if a place is billed as a casual place, you know, then again, like service doesn't need to be in quite the same way. But of course, you want people to feel friendly. You want people to feel like you're being taken care of. Hospitality is extremely important. All right. So uh, again, Hal B. Klein, food writer uh, who was involved in putting together the uh, the current issue of Pittsburgh Magazine, which looks at the best restaurants in Pittsburgh. So let's talk about some of the best restaurants, uh, as many as we can get to in the next uh, couple of minutes that we have. Yeah, so what I loved about this list is how diverse it is. So I mentioned Latrec, which is at the Nemecal and Woodlands Resort, which is about an hour and a half away, which is a real fine dining pinnacle. Um, and then you have somewhere that's quite on the other end of it, which is Smallman Galley, which is all four restaurants in one. 
um, that's very casual. It's, you know, it's a food hall. You go up, you order from each chef, you order from each counter. Um, they text you and you pick it up. Um, and then there are a bunch of other places that are in between. So my favorite restaurant to go to is a restaurant called Chengdu Gourmet which is in Squirrel Hill, which is a Sichuan restaurant, which just is the chef there. We honored um, six different chefs this year also for being really outstanding at what they do. Um, so that is a restaurant that I love. It's just the chef there, Weiju, is just a really amazing, talented chef. Um, Morcia, uh, which is the second restaurant from Justin Severino and Hillary Prescott Severino, uh, was our best new restaurant of the year. Um, so Spanish food, tapas, really amazing things. They do a, a suckling pig there that's just ridiculous. Um, so I love that place. Um, there are some of the restaurants that have been around for a long time. Casbah has been on the list every year since it opened. Um, and it's one of those restaurants that just maintains that quality every year. It just keeps, you know, staying good, good, good. Keeps up with the Joneses, as it was. Mm -hmm. um, so places like that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Is there is there something that predominates the Pittsburgh food scene? I mean, you know, Pittsburgh is a town that's always attracted labels and one of the one of the big ones is you know Pittsburgh's a shot and beer town so if you were applying that to a restaurant what what kind of restaurant town is Pittsburgh or is it just so diverse that you can't nail it down or narrow it down to just one I think it's that I think I think right now what I'd say is Pittsburgh is a developing food town and so you're seeing a lot of opportunity for people to find their own voice in what it means to be a restaurant in Pittsburgh and so there isn't a, a typical type of cuisine. You know, we're, we're over this idea of, you know, it's a pierogi town. It's a heavy food town. It's not to say that those things aren't there or they're not valuable. They're yeah, not it's delicious. still there. Right, it's of there. course. But I, I think the idea is, you know, you can come to Pittsburgh now and have a real diverse array of restaurants and a diverse array of experiences. And so someone can who lives here can go, OK, so tonight, you know. I'm in the mood for something a little bit nicer. You can go to a place like, say, Senti in Lawrenceville, which has impeccable service, amazing service, and really just great, very rustic um, Italian food. Um, or you could say, you know what, like, I just want to go somewhere like really chill, really casual and go to Smoke, which is right down the block from there and have really good barbecue. Like, like you might go to Kansas City, and we're, we're down here, we're under a minute to go, but you might go to Kansas City and say, okay, that's a great town for barbecue. I mean, that, that, that's what it's known for. So is Pittsburgh really known for anything like that, uh, you know, beyond the heavy foods, or is it just a great restaurant scene and you can pretty much find whatever you want? So what I think is the most exciting thing about Pittsburgh, so if you look at our list this year, 14 restaurants this year, we're not on the list last year of 33. So I think what Pittsburgh is being known for now is it's being known for this change and for this development, and it's shattering this old stereotype of, you know, just heavy food, sandwiches, you know, things like that. And it's, it's becoming a city where you are increasingly, not entirely yet, there's still a long way to go, able to get a really diverse array of really delicious food at restaurants. Hal B. Klein, food writer, the man behind, along with others, the current edition of Pittsburgh Magazine, which looks at Pittsburgh's best restaurants. Hal, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me on. I'm Paul Guggenheimer. So long for now. As we continue our conversation with Hal B. Klein, who writes about food for Pittsburgh Magazine and who was involved in putting together the best restaurants in Pittsburgh edition of the magazine. When you do a thing like this, it's a huge undertaking, and not everybody's going to be happy at the end of it. So what kind of feedback do you get? Do you get people who are upset with you? Yeah, of course. And, and I have a lot of sympathy for that. It's really hard if you're on the list one year to not be on the list uh, the following year. And so, you know, I, I certainly got a share of 
angry phone calls and angry emails of people, you know, being upset that their restaurants were not on the list. But what we've noticed in the past is that in some years a restaurant won't make the list and in other years that restaurant will come back. So, for example, Dinette is on the list again this year, which is another one of my favorite restaurants in Pittsburgh that wasn't on the list the year before. And during our debates, one of the things we talked about a lot was why was it dropped last year and why shouldn't it be on the list this year when it's clearly a, a really amazing restaurant. So it's always a fluid. It's always a fluid thing. And this is them contacting you and wondering about this? No. I mean, they didn't contact to wonder specifically why they weren't on the list the year before. Um, this was us in our independent restaurant panel discussions thinking about, OK, so what was on the list in previous years? We always talk about that at the beginning. What was on the list? in a previous year that was dropped from the list last year, and do they deserve credit? You know, should we, how much, how often should we revisit them this year to see if they belong back on the list? But you do get calls from people saying, hey, why weren't we on the list? Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. And and I get it. And it's, you know, it's, it, like I said, I'm very sympathetic to that. But I think we try to do as scrupulous a job as we can to make sure that when the list is made, that's the right list mm. for that year. And have you ever put out a list where, you maybe second guess something you did. This is only my second year working on the list, so ask me that again in five years, maybe. Um, but I feel what I will say about the list this year is I feel very good about the list this year. And one of the things that you do is you profile some of the prominent chefs in Pittsburgh. Describe why that's important, because because there's such a, a cult of personality around chefs you know they're they're made into reality tv stars on a national level not necessarily the ones here but you know we see them so the idea of the man or woman who's making our food why is it important to know who they are and for them to become sort of superstars within their own field i think it's important because it establishes the identity of the restaurant and i think what we, so what we did in 2015 is we actually looked at the kitchens as a whole and wrote a piece called Killer Kitchens because I th also think it's important to know that for people, for diners, that it's not just one person, you know, doing everything. It's an entire kitchen crew and it's a bunch of people working super hard to make sure that the meal is really good. You know, working from nine in the morning, even though the restaurant opens at five, there people are there at eight, nine in the morning prepping food. But I think this year we chose to look at five chefs who we deemed as outstanding chefs for the year, and then one chef who we deemed as a rising star chef. And I think with all those chefs, you can really see the contribution they make to their restaurants and the contribution they make to the food system as a whole. Um, so Chengdu Gourmet, for example, Wei Zhu is the chef that we honored there. And when you go in there, you know, he, he really is involved in this very deep exploration of Sichuan cuisine right now. And I think it's really reflective in the food. And it's reflective in the fact that when you go in in the front of the restaurant, there's a seasonal menu and there are specials. And it's stuff that he's working on and trying to really bring dishes that we might not have experienced in that same way in Pittsburgh to Pittsburgh. Do you think recognition as one of the city's best restaurants puts pressure on those establishments to live up to that title and maybe put people in a position that they may not be able to react to when their restaurant suddenly becomes popular and you have maybe twice as many people showing up to eat there? I hope not. I, I mean, I hope that I hope that what we're doing is finding people that are already doing things to a really high level. And so our stamp of approval isn't necessarily anything more than just our stamp of approval because we're just recognizing them for the work that they're already doing. Um, yeah, I think some of the restaurants, maybe some of the smaller ones might get hit with a lot more people coming in right when the restaurant, right when the issue comes out. And it might cause, you know, a bit of extra work for them just to 
have more reservations, but that's great. You know, we want to have the restaurants in the city full all the time. We want people on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights going out, making reservations, having the restaurants full so we can have more restaurants like this. Food writer Hal B. Klein, who writes for Pittsburgh Magazine and was spearheading their efforts at looking at the best restaurants in Pittsburgh. That's the current edition of Pittsburgh Magazine. Hal B. Klein, as always, a pleasure visiting with you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.